Lazy Project Manager is sponsored by Office Timeline. If you need to make elegant timelines and Gantt charts that clients and executives can understand, try the Office Timeline PowerPoint add-in. Designed to work right inside a PowerPoint, it's familiar and requires no learning curve. And with it, you'll quickly build stunning project visuals and can easily update them on the fly as plans change. Try it for free at officetimeline.com forward slash Peter to see how it makes your presentations look awesome. That is officetimeline.com forward slash Peter. Well, welcome to this. Um, I keep saying it these days, don't I? But you know, this is a very special podcast because it's celebrating uh, quite a milestone in my personal life, and that is ten years since the Lazy Project Manager appeared, uh, almost out of nowhere, um, onto the publishing world, onto the speaking world. So I'm I'm kind of celebrating uh, over the next coming months. Uh, April, when this podcast is being recorded, uh, was when the uh, first presentation I did, um, it wasn't actually based on the Lazy Project Manager, it's based on PMOs and project management, uh, but it's kind of when I started my, my public speaking career and it has now been 10 years since that uh, happened. I'm just back from uh, Warsaw, Poland, where I have been presenting at the Portfolio Experience event in Warsaw and also ran a one day workshop on project sponsorship and sponsorship challenges. And that is actually my 347th presentation in 10 years. So that's not bad going. And, and I've been able to travel the world. I've, I've been to 25 different countries so far, I think. That's what I worked out uh, the other day. I'm, it's hard to work out exactly how many people I've presented to. But you know, it's, it's somewhere between the 40 and 50,000 people uh, range. Um, and I said across multiple countries and multiple cultures, multiple languages, and still people seem to like the idea of the lazy project manager. And um, April was when the uh, the first presentation was done. May was when I did the very first presentation based on the lazy project manager. I was out in uh, EMEA in, in Europe, Amsterdam. And uh, I remember being very, very nervous about uh, standing there and talking about this this idea I'd come up with. And the book came out a bit later in the year. Well, the book officially was, was existed already, but I mean, the, the official publication date was later on, the 1st of September in 2009. Uh, although I learned very quickly that publication dates are kind of very vague things. They just generally falls into the into the universe unless you're one of the major authors you know the kind of uh, jk rowling or dan brown kind of characters there is no such thing as a, as a kind of real book launch it just it just happens and appears and in different points and places or uh, a given time so you know i'm going to celebrate all of these anniversaries coming up but this one is really kind of 10 years the start of the 10 years and and i kind of thought about well how do i how do i do this how do i even celebrate it because i could sit here and i could talk about it but actually it's one of those uh, serendipitous moments where out of the blue a gentleman contacted me to make a very nice comment about the Lazy Project Manager and, the, and, and in fact we haven't seen each other for 10 years uh, and yet he's a he's a bit of a fan and so the bulk of this this podcast is going to be an interview with, a, with this really nice guy uh, Chris and he's going to talk to us all about the company he works for but mostly he's going to talk about the lazy project manager and and how that book has helped him in his um, career as a project manager and and now yeah, moved on to bigger and better things for sure so that's kind of it you know i just this is part of the celebrations that i'm undertaking and and i hope i, I know I, I know you're going to enjoy this interview because this is a really nice guy and he talks very 
you know, very sensibly and very thoughtfully about projects, project management and the modern world of project delivery. So please, um, you know, settle in and enjoy. Okay, so this is a, um, an interview with a gentleman who apparently has been a fan of the book for quite some time now, about 10 years ago. So um, I'd like to introduce Chris Adams, who's the Chief Operating Officer at Magic Milestones, the digital transformation consultancy and former racing driver, you said. That's true. Yes, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thank uh, you. Introduce yourself in your own words. Oh, well, very much. Very nice to, to be here. Nice to meet you again after so long. Um, so yes, I, uh, I, I've basically spent my entire career as a project manager in various guises, uh, working for organisations like uh, Amazon, BBC and uh, Magic Milestones. It's actually my second stint at Magic Milestones. I started as a junior and I'm now back as the Chief Operating Officer. Um, and I think really the lazy project manager really helped me out early on in my career. So. Uh, it's nice to be here and have a conversation about it. Perfect. We, so we talk about that. I got, I'm going to probe the kind of former racing driver, though. So you know, <laughs> how, how did that come about? Uh, my dad was very passionate about crashing rally cars, uh, so I he, he naturally got me into driving cars when I was about eight years old, or driving go karts, and I very quickly started racing in the national championship, and I won uh, what's called the Kartmasters Grand Prix uh, back in. 1998, age 12, uh, which was a, a race that Lewis Hamilton had won two years prior. So okay. it's racing along those, alongside those sort of guys uh, with people who are now in the sort of Formula One stream. Obviously, they did a little better than I did. I'm, I'm sensing there is no <laughs> private jet part somewhere nearby. There is not. Okay, okay then. But we are conveniently situated between King's Cross and St Pancras Station in London. Yeah, yeah, no, there's, there's a transport link. Okay, yeah, so. excellent. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so perfect. All right, so the, yes, the lazy project manager and all those years ago, I, I do remember it. It was, um, it was an interesting event because the lazy project manager had been published. I had a garage full of copies of the books, right, which I kind of thought, well, how am I going to get rid of these? I need to speak. I need to speak at events. And at that time, uh, I'd made uh, contact with Chris Field, who was the president of PMI at that point. I think he was president at that point. He definitely is president now, anyway. Mm. Um, uh, in the UK, hastily had that. Um, and I uh, lobbied Chris, and he kind of liked the book. And he said, well, OK, there's an event coming up, but um, the agenda's pretty full. You can have 15 minutes. And he gave me 15 minutes on stage, where I did the first intro part of the Lazy Project Manager. Um, you know, sort of science of laziness and the dinosaurs and stuff. I think that was about as far as I got. And then... Um, the kind of crazy thing that happened after that was the book sold really well. I mean, I think I sold 17, maybe 80 copies that day. I learned a lesson, which I priced the book at uh, £8, which was a ridiculous thing to do because I had no change whatsoever. And there's, there's queues <laughs> of people, and people giving change to other people and etc. And, and I ended up the evening with pockets full of, of money, which was obviously a nice thing. But uh, you know, I did feel a bit like a, some sort of like character from a... Robert Bank or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, Robert Bank or some East End Market or something like that. But it was a great... Like, and you were, you were, I think, a volunteer at the event. Yeah, I was. So uh, this was very early on in my, my project management career. I'd, I'd become very passionate for just doing stuff and getting stuff done, mm -hmm. mostly uh, working through... The, uh, the university at the University of Liverpool. Um, we used to do an all, I, I was uh, the vice president 
of the student union there and had an experience of being quite high up in an organisation and doing a lot of stuff. And when I came to London, I was like, okay, I want to try and formalise this into something now. I want to learn how people do it. How do you manage projects? How do you get stuff done properly? And I was very much grasping for some guidance, some advice on how to do stuff. And I thought, well, what better way of learning than getting involved in the Project Management Institute? Those guys are going to know some stuff about project <laughs> management. And so started volunteering for them. And the, the event where we met, I, um, I was organising the, the AV. That was my job. Okay. So I was a 21-year-old, 21-year-old, I think, at the time. And I knew how computers worked, <laughs> how to put up a PowerPoint presentation and get microphones to work. Um, and so that was my job. And uh, I, I, I obviously got the opportunity to get into a free event because yep. I was doing the volunteering. Smart move, smart hear move. Some, hear some great people speak. I, I distinctly remember you speaking for longer than 15 minutes. It certainly had an impact. just felt like that. Well, it certainly had an impact. Um, you know, in terms of looking for all, you know, trying to trying to find something that resonated with me as a 21-year-old, I think uh, actually the Lazy Project Manager book really spoke to me. I think it was probably the Monty Python references really oh, helped. Yes, brilliant. I just enjoyed it. <laughs> so for me, I, you know, it's a bit present, you know, presumptuous or pretentious, really, in the sense that, you know, I kind of thought about it, because Chris gave me 15 minutes, and I thought, mm. well, I could be good in 15 minutes. It was almost like, you know, Live Aid Queen experience, really, like... How can I compress as much as possible into 15 minutes to be impactful? And it, it, it did help craft the first part of my standard keynote these days. Of like, this is the impact that you can do in 15, 20 minutes. Um, and it's, it's, you know, it's certainly... Yeah. So was that one of your first big speaking engagements? It was then? pretty early on, yes. Um, I think my first one had been April that year, wow. which I did. And that was about PMOs. It wasn't even about mm. the lazy project manager at all. So um, I think I'd done it two or three times before that, but with an hour, you know, mm. so that you can meander your way through it. But as I said, for this event, like, I'm going to have to do something in a short time. So how can I, how can I make it impactful? And that was, that was the result, really. So it kind of worked. And I'm glad you enjoyed it. Oh, absolutely. So you know, let's go back to the book, because mm. it is the 10th anniversary of the book. And, um, you know, it is... Well, it has been successful, and people do. Most people like it. Not everybody, of course. There are some people who don't like it. <laughs> um, you know, the, the challenge of being calling the profession lazy. But you know, we both know that means something very positive. Um, but you know, what is it about the book that you liked? I think it's, uh, and I have I have reread it recently as well because obviously I knew it was going to have this conversation. Um, so I think really it has a couple of really good concepts in it that just help you to think about how you're going to structure your projects correctly. Whether it's a new project or a project that you're rescuing, um, I think the one, the one that's probably the most fundamental to managing projects for me is definitely the dinosaur. Mm -hmm. okay. uh, I think, you know, all of my work has predominantly been around Agile. And so it's not, it's not something that's expressly covered in the book. It's something that's alluded to throughout it. But I still think that knowing what you're doing up front is really important yes. and actually the, the thick end the, at the beginning of the project is so important to make sure you're asking the right questions uh, and getting the right information so that you actually know how, how long things are going to take potentially, you know, how, what do you need to, to understand your risks better and know how you're going to approach stuff and I think you know, that guide of thinking 
about how you approach a project from the thick end yeah. is, is incredibly important. That was the one thing in terms of project management that stuck out to me. And I think also the 80-20 the rule, yeah. that helps an awful lot. Yeah, absolutely. To, absolutely. to know that you know, the, there is, you're going to get the most value. You're going to get the 80% from doing sort of 20% of the, of, of the work, really. You know, you, 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 um, you know, you only really have to... I also learned from that. I think for for eight, you know eighty percent is kind of good enough for yeah. most of the time. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think it's something that's in terms of putting together a plan. You don't have to necessarily um, know everything. You know, and especially on an agile project, that's that's really important to help people understand that the reason why you're doing some of that upfront work on an agile project because often people don't necessarily get that you need to do some planning ahead of an agile project yeah. or as it's kicking off. Um, is because you just need to have a guide. You need to know what your vision is. You've got to try and understand the project. Um, and I think you know there's a whole load of stuff in the book that just speaks to uh, how you approach looking at things. Yeah. So I mean, I'm presuming listeners actually have read the book. If you haven't, why haven't you read it? But I mean, <laughs> the the dinosaur is a Monty Python sketch, which is John Cleese dressed up as a woman called Miss Anne Elk. And the, and the whole joke about the, the sketch, you can find the link on my website, you can find it on YouTube uh, if you want to. But it's, uh, you know, the, the joke is a brontosaurus is thick at one end, uh, it's thin, thin at one end, <laughs> thick in the middle and thin again at the far end. I can't even get that right. Um, but my argument was that actually projects are completely wrong. And people think projects are like that, but mm. actually they're not from a project manager's point of view. They're thick at the front end thin in the middle because at this point the team is working and your job is to support the team and they're thick again at the far end because it's actually where you learn all those lessons of experience and so forth so that's the kind of argument of the uh, the Monty Python dinosaur um, you know, lazy project manager theory and of course yes the 80-20 rule that actually 20% of what you do delivers 80% of the, of the value and, mm. and, and yeah I, mean, <clears throat> I was talking to someone uh, earlier today and it, we were talking about all the all the detailed project plans that some people produce and the marvellous constructs of Microsoft Project. I'm not picking on Microsoft Projects necessarily, but <laughs> some people go down that route and actually they're valuable, but reality is that you know you don't always need that much detail. It's more to do with understanding enough and making making progress. Yeah, I've never been a fan of Microsoft Project, I have right. to say. That, I mean, I, th I think it's... The, the things that are really important to me are knowing... You know what is the demand on the team? I.e., how big is the backlog? How much stuff do we think we've got to do? Mm -hmm. um, and usually that's a sort of epic level, so we're talking real high-level t-shirt sizes. Yeah. You know, and then the other thing is capacity. How much time have people got to work on this? Yeah. And that, you know, to take into account, you also have to go well. They're not. You don't have an ideal day. That never exists. And and I think so often people will plan projects out, going, well, we've got all these developers and they're in for seven and a half hours a day. Mm -hmm. Well, they're never going to get seven and a half productive hours because they've got meetings. They're human. They go to the toilet. They yeah. ha they have yes. lunch. Yes. Um, and then there's other things as well that you have to take into account. You know, in the software world, you never have environments. They never. They're, they're, you know, that's that's always a problem. Not. And so you have to start thinking about what are the percentages you take away and find out what is the usable capacity. And once you've got that level of understanding, you can figure out, well, okay, how long do we reckon this project is going to take to land? And that gives you a jumping off point to say, well, uh, how do we manage these risks? Do mm -hmm. we bring on more people? Do we, 
deliver it slower? Do we uh, spend more money on it? You know, it, it gives you, you a jumping off point to make proper decisions about your project before you go, oh, hang on, we've got a problem six months later. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And, and to be clear, there are the other, there are other project management tools that we both don't like as well. So, uh, <laughs> unless Microsoft Projects want to sponsor me as a lazy project manager, in which case, I love it. Um, okay, perfect. I mean, I think, you know, what I've been told in general about the book, and it would be interesting if you, you kind of agree with this, is, you know, one, the book is short. Mm. Um, in fact, it's a little bit longer than it was. The second edition is slightly longer because I filled some gaps that people said I should have covered. It's not much longer. Um, secondly, it's uh, it's an attempt at humorous anyway. Um, and thirdly, um, you know, the stories at the end of each chapter um, are honest reflections of where I completely screwed things up and learned an important lesson. And at the time that the book came out, every project management book I'd ever read was a work of perfection in a perfectionist world where nothing ever went wrong. And, and so people generally say they kind of like those. And the fact that you can, don't have to read the whole book, you can just go straight to the end and read a couple of pages. Yeah, I must admit I never did that. I, don't, okay. I, don't, I, don't, I feel like it's cheating. Yeah. But it is great as a resource yes. to dip back into it. Yeah. But I think um, for me, I mean, you know, to, to return to where I mentioned as a 21-year-old, I was trying to consume, trying to find something I could hang my hat on to place my project management career on. I read the Prince 2 manual, uh, cover to cover. Wow. I, uh, I read the PMI uh, book, which I've forgotten the title. The Body of Knowledge. The Body of Knowledge. You read The Body of Knowledge? Yeah, I read The Body of Knowledge. Good grief. Um, That's like reading a dictionary. It is a little. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and so it's, it's not often that you come across something that is entertaining enough to actually read. And, uh, you know, it makes me laugh when you read it. You, you, you know, it's, there's some great... There's some great stories in there. There's things that, over the years, they, they've happened to me as well. I've, mm-hmm. I've seen, <laughs> I've seen that same story reoccur in various different organisations, and um, and it gives you much like the Phoenix Project in a way. It gives mm-hmm. you like you can start to identify things. You can go, oh, I, I, I've I've met that person. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, making you chuckle on something that's quite light as you read it is uh, is is refreshing. Um, you know, breaking up with the stories like the uh, uh, the cat versus butter. Yes. Uh, the buttered cat. Uh, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> I agree. So I agree. I mean, I was taught. I mean, I you know, I, I learnt my art of you know, public speaking quite a long time ago, and you know, I continue to try and get a little bit better. But you know, I was taught then it was like you know, 80, it's the eighty twenty rule again. It's eighty percent entertainment, twenty percent information. If people like it enough, they will go and consume more information afterwards. So don't don't try and bother with them information all the way through. Oh, yeah. you, so, can, you can read it very quickly as yeah, well because yeah. of that. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, all right. So you know, I, I'm going to have to go back to this one because it's, you, earlier you mentioned you were, yeah, Amazon was one of your clients, one of your customers when you worked for Amazon. Yeah, I was a permanent employee for Amazon. Oh, okay. You were a permanent employee for Amazon. Yeah. And I think you, you dropped into the conversation before this interview that uh, you were part of the launch of Amazon Prime and the lazy project manager may have played a small part in that. Yeah, so uh, Prime Video. So I was part of the, I was part of the, the, the of Love Film, uh, for people who remember Love Film, uh, and obviously that was bought by Amazon, and uh, I helped to launch Love Film Instant, and well, I led the program to launch Love, Love Film Instant, and then ultimately that became uh, launching Prime Video in the UK and in Germany. And although I can't claim to actually have been around to launch Prime Video, okay. I kicked off the program, which was an 18-month sort of program to, uh, to actually launch Prime Video in the UK and Germany. And basically that was 
45 teams in three different continents. So it was about 600 odd people working on delivering an internationalized version of Prime Video, which was basically an amalgam of uh, Love Film, uh, the existing Prime Video that was built in and was running in the US, um, and also Pushbutton as well, who developed a load of applications to run on set-top boxes, um, games consoles, etc. And so really, when you're faced with having to plan a project that has a deadline and has 45 teams involved in it, um, you have to think a little differently about stuff. And so the thick end of that project was very important. And Amazon has an interesting approach to defining projects. It, t- it likes to run things in an agile fashion, but doesn't have, a, well, at the time, it certainly didn't have very much process, not within the, the video department. But one of the things it does do is they build a lot of stuff around what they call a PRFAQ, which is a press release with frequently asked questions. And they write the press release up front and say, uh, you know, in, in six months' time or nine months' time or however long it's going to be, Amazon is proud to launch X. And it's going to have Y in it and Z. And the uh, CEO was really proud to launch this and that. And it's very detailed in terms of what you've actually launched and gives you a guide for this is the goal, guys. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't ever prescribe this is how to run the project. Um, or this is you know, what you must do or what you must deliver. The te- it's then down to the teams to figure out how they fill in the gaps and make it so, so to speak. So it's very, very much a sort of statement of future success. And then you, yeah, you, and then you we're back from it. Back, so it's, back it from that, yeah. yeah, so it's always specifying the customer and working back from the customer. And you know, when, you're trying to, when you're faced with that, you kind of know what you're working back from. And so I had to figure out at the thick end of the project how I was possibly going to manage 45 teams in you know, three different continents. And so really it was about figuring out how I could develop a framework because there was no real scaled agile framework at the time, or certainly I hadn't heard about it because uh, this is what, 2012, so a few years after, uh, yep. after your three book. Three years after the book came out. Um, yep. And we're, I, we basically, I basically started thinking, well, how am I going to look at these teams? And we broke them into seven distinct streams so we could manage them. Uh, I had three other program managers I was working with and we managed the streams independently uh, but brought them back together for sort of scrum of scrums but most of it was about delegating how do we delegate this to the people who actually own it and the people can actually deliver it because thinking about how you deliver a project I can't deliver a project I can't deliver prime video on my own that's never going to happen um, and so again to return to the dinosaur analogy how do I best guide this brontosaurus um, because I ain't going to be able to carry it. <laughs> and so uh, it was mostly thinking about what is the most pragmatic way I can get for people to, uh, to check into these, uh, these milestones and give me estimates and then we can refactor stuff and we can do dependency management uh, and manage our way through that. And very quickly we were able to come to some sort of consensus on what the estimate was and how big it was going to, how big it was and how long it was going to take us to do it. And we knew what the risks and issues were and we managed those, managed those accordingly. At this point, dear listener, I have to interject to explain there will be very shortly a loud sound. Do not be alarmed. Nobody was injured during this particular moment. Okay. Uh, there were a lot of problems on the project. Really. Ooh, that's interesting. And for, okay. That's a bit of a mess. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
So were there problems? Do we allude to that or cut it out? <laughs> well, we could allude to it. This is real. So we're actually, all right. Yeah, well, I'm not going to edit that. This is fantastic. So now, outside the room we're recording this is uh, some sort of event being set up. And I think an awful lot of drink has just been broke. Well, it's broken by falling through a glass table, is it? Yeah, a glass table has been shattered. Absolutely. Yeah. So this is real life, folks. This is real life, folks. <laughs> so there were, pro- there were problems on the project. There's problems outside, but there's yes. problems on the project. Yeah, I know. So there were problems on the project, but, you know, mostly because of the way that we managed it, because of how closely we were managing milestones and, you know, the, the milestones along the way of delivering this project, we were able to see things um, early enough that we were able to course correct and, uh, and, and people, we were able to deal with that with the people who were genuinely going to deliver it. Okay. And, you know, as a result, Prime Video launched and it, it, it's been quite a success, I think. I still watch it. Yeah, <laughs> likewise. likewise. Um, so, thanks for that. Uh, um, and, you know, Thanks for sharing your thoughts around the latest project manager, and uh, you know it's it's still going, it's still selling, it's uh, you know people still like it. It seems so. It's, it's given me a great platform. Still a great guide. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> All right, so let's let's come back to to you. I mean, you know, you work or your chief operating officer now. You came back and took you know took over half the company. Magic Milestones, loving the name, but you know, tell us <laughs> a little bit more about what Magic Milestones is all about. Uh, so Magic Milestones has been around for about 12 years or so. It was founded by my business partner, Steph Chamberlain, and uh, she was an early mentor for me. And so it's quite nice to sort of, almost a decade later, to be returning to, to, to Magic Milestones and, and building it out. So we, we've always had a, a history for agile delivery. Uh, we've had some great successes working for places like the BBC. Uh, we launched radiotimes.com, variety.com. We've worked with the government on uh, the digital service and the home office and places like that, all sorts of places. And what we've done over the last 18 months is we've started to expand or or start to think about how how we offer a full-scale agile or digital transformation service. So what are the elements of that? And we've come to the conclusion that largely it's delivery management, it's product management and CX and product management, we actually go into sort of the Spotify model. How do you structure your teams based around projects, sorry, based around products rather than projects. Yeah. Uh, and then agile culture. How do you actually embed that culture in the senior leadership team and, and make sure that the, you know, that's, that's fed out into the, into the departments. The lean PMO uh, and having a good project management office without the uh, or a portfolio management office with the guff taken out so that you're getting the right reporting um, the, the right metrics to be able to manage your business uh, technology which for us we tend to only ever really play in the senior space actually for most of these roles but for, for technology it's you know architects principal engineers how do you get into uh, doing DevOps how do you do cloud migrations and how do you make sure that you're, you're building your technology right for the future and then finally, our, our newest proposition that we've been working on in the last year is uh, a thing called Stable Teams, which is um, our recruitment, proposi- re- recruitment proposition. Uh, and so we've approached that in a slightly different way. So be, with having 12 years of experience, we've built a network of about 150 people who've worked with us in the past, who we class as our experts. And uh, when we, what we've noticed is that when you're trying to deliver a transformation for companies, the thing that causes those transformations to slip back is the gaps in the team 
and uh, people not necessarily hiring the right people. And so the recruitment proposition has been set up to make sure that we can hire the right people for, 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 uh, for our organisations. We don't want to open the door and bring in a whole load of consultants. Um, you know, we don't want to have a whole load of contractors on, on, on site because the knowledge isn't in the right place then. You know, it can always walk off site. And so our goal is to help organisations be the best they can. We're always just chasing case studies. And so we want to be able to help you find the right people, the right permanent people. And we want that to be a lower bar to entry as well. So rather than an upfront fee, where you might be shelling out 20% of someone's salary, you actually uh, sell, uh, shell out 9.5% over a period of three years. So the average tenure of uh, someone in software development, for example, is about 14 months at the moment. And uh, so our goal is that you will pay us on a monthly basis for that person. So if it's £100,000 salary, because it's easier for my maths, then on, a, then on a monthly basis, you'll pay £950 um, until that person leaves up to three years. Uh, and so, you know, if they leave within the tenure, then you've got a great deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if they stay beyond that tenure, then you've had a great person. And our goal is to find you the great person that's going to stick with you. And, you know, if you needed a project team to be up and running, then we can find you contractors. But, we, we're, uh, but that's, again, a slightly different proposition to our consultants. The contractors are, you know, cheaper. We can get them quicker. Uh, the consultants are, are sort of the higher paid people who are going to be able to deliver you the, the experience because they're really the... The veterans in this industry, they've, they've been around the block and they, they know what they're looking for um, and can help you get and get to the right answer faster. And so really what we do is we will help you find the right people for your teams, we'll help you structure those teams correctly um, and in the most efficient way possible and then we'll make them high performing. Yeah, okay. Um, Sounds really exciting. <laughs> and how can, how can people find out about Magic Milestones? Well, we are currently in the process of uh, rebranding. So, depending on when you're listening to this, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, we should be done by the middle of 2019. Okay. Um, w- the website is still there, so it's magicmilestones.com, and it will continue to be there at magicmilestones.com. And you can drop us a line through that. You can get, us in, get in touch with us. You can read about some of our case studies uh, and... We'll come and uh, have a have a conversation, and we'll see what we can do for you. Okay, perfect. Hi guys, sorry. Uh, just so you know, that your meeting room finished uh, a little while back, so whenever you're ready, uh, we've just got a lot of the meeting rooms here. Okay, yeah, sure. Fine. We're just finishing. Thank you. Okay. I will edit that bit out. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, and finally, I mean, do you have perhaps one piece of advice for project managers or perhaps leaders of change at the strategic level? I mean, you know, feel free to steal it from the lazy project manager if you want, but you know, <laughs> one top tip for uh, listeners before we quit. Uh, so, I mean, I, I, you know, there's some, so many in, in the book and I probably will, I will steal it from the book because that's the topic of conversation. Perfect. I'm not, <laughs> not going to fight you on that. <laughs> um, but there's so many great things in that, whether you're talking about the 80-20 rule or the or, or the dinosaurs. Um, I'm going to flip through it to remember. You can edit this bit out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the, one, the one thing I would say that I, w- I would come back to is the having fun, actually. Yes. I think that's probably one of the most important things. People get so very stressed on working with projects, and you know, even if you're doing something of huge scale with hundreds of people working on it or you know it's costing billions of pounds or dollars uh, I think the most important thing is to have fun one of the things I always like to do which I, I realise I've absorbed an awful lot from your book probably subconsciously over the years as well is um, the 
is when running uh, Scrum of Scrums, I always like to start with a joke, which I only recently reread this and found that you have a lot of stuff in here in jokes. And, and the principle there, I think, was that, you know, at Scrum of Scrums, when you've got quite a lot of people involved, people can be quite nervous. Yeah. Um, and if you say the stupidest thing that anyone's going to say throughout that 10 to 15 minute period, um, then everybody else finds it a little easier. <laughs> I, I agree with that. I'm, yeah, fun has been important to me. And, you know, I love putting the lazy project managers together. Uh, back in, uh, what, 2008, I, I started writing it, 2009, it was published. Um, uh, but I also loved putting the compilation together, really. It was a compilation. It was the project manager who smiled, which is the book on project management fun. Because I just had the most amazing... I had some terrible jokes sent in, but I had some amazing <laughs> stories uh, from people. So, uh, you know, the value of fun and happy thing is really, really important. So, Chris, thank you very much for your time. Um, I hope you continue to be successful and uh, still lean on Lazy Project Manager. And I'm glad it had that kind of impact on you back in 2009. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Right. Thank you. Which brings us to the end of this rather special uh, podcast episode. Um, it's you know it has been an amazing journey, um, many countries, many hours traveling, many many people I've met, and and still you know there's there's more I I'd love to do. So uh, if you have an opportunity where you think I can help you out, conference, congress, events. Project Management Summit, um, inspirational presentation at work, you know, to your leaders, to your executives or to your project managers. Come on, contact me at www.thelazyprojectmanager.com and um, let's let's see if we can uh, we can make a difference together. Uh, finally, I would say yeah, this is the first of a number of, of anniversaries for me. So uh, this is this is uh, recorded in April. And that is 10 years since I did my very first public uh, presentation around the uh, theme of project project management. In fact, it was about uh, PMO and PMO leadership at the time. But um, this was swiftly followed in May by the very first ever uh, presentation based on the Lazy Project Manager, which was in Amsterdam. Uh, it was to the PMI EMEA congress and i'm forever grateful to the people that came and filled the room to with standing uh standing room only and in fact i got an encore so that was fabulous and and that was also the birth of the badges i produced the lazy project i'm a lazy project manager badge because i was so worried that nobody would turn up to my session i started going around bribing people with these uh these little badges and um, they've been hugely popular i think i've given away probably twenty thousand of those badges so far so um the final kind of milestone is going to be in September. I mean, officially the book was launched the first of September. The reality was the book was there much earlier, and you know, you know, there is just a date picked by publishers, and that's when I went up to London. I sat in the uh, sort of a, a lower part of the BBC building in London and uh, sat in a room and recorded. I can't remember. Yeah, maybe ten different uh, radio interviews with uh, various BBC. A local radio stations and that was my kind of official official launch of the book but as i said it kind of kind of really all happened from now um and ran on so you know this is the 10 year celebration final ask from me really if if the pro lazy project manager has touched you in some way um if you have benefited benefited from the book if you've loved a, a particular piece of advice or you've used it in a certain way 
I was kind of thinking that maybe I can do another podcast in a month's time, which you know, might have the voice of the people. So it's fantastic talking to Chris there. But you know, beyond uh, that one person, you know, the the book has sold in thousands and thousands around the world. So if you're listening to this and you have something you'd like to say, uh, very short. Let's let's not make it too long. But you know, if you've got um, you know a short. Uh, recommendation or a, a short story then please send it to me you can find all my details at www.thelazyprojectmanager.com or you can actually email me at peter.b.taylor at btinternet.com that's peter.b.taylor at btinternet.com you can find that on the website anyway um, and I will include it and you know I, do it how you wish if you just want to write something I can read it out if you actually want to record a little audio file um, I can I can potentially include that as well. Uh, just to say, don't make it too long, uh, but make it short and insightful, and share with uh, myself, and I will share with the listeners what what the lazy project manager has meant to you over the years. So I'm going to call it there. Um, it's a very emotional time for me. It's I it, I look back on the ten years. I think of all the places I've been, all the people I've met. It's just it's just amazing. In that one little book, um, thirty thousand words has has taken me around the world and allowed me to connect to so many people and uh, you know I, I it's it's just just truly astonishing that that's actually happened so um thank you um keep listening uh, keep contributing um you know connect to me on linkedin if we're not connected already follow me on twitter at the lazy pm if we're not if you're not already following me and um yeah as ever please be lazy don't forget to check out Office Timeline, the PowerPoint add-in that will make your project timelines and Gantt charts look awesome. Get your free trial at officetimeline.com forward slash Peter.